This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, good morning. Good to be here this morning. I'm glad you're here. Hope you're glad that you're here, too. Beautiful day and a wonderful opportunity to worship God together and to learn from his word and be challenged as we go. Um, for those of you who are visiting, uh, my name is uh, Pastor Jim Tamlin. I'm one of the pastors here at, uh, at Crossroads, and uh, good to be here in the Word with you. The last couple of weeks, um, Pastor Mike has been walking us through uh, a series of messages to get us thinking about what it means to be the church and to do ministry. Uh, two weeks ago, his message was on uh, what's going on here, and the, and the focus was on ministry, which we saw involved servanthood, being a servant for God in the place where he's put us. You may remember that uh, Pastor Mike gave us this little booklet of all different uh, descriptions of all different kinds of ministry that Crossroads is doing or has been doing or looks forward to doing and challenged us to think about where we might fit in some of those ministries, where our gifts and inclinations put us. Last week, it was uh, being the visible church, and the emphasis was on the importance of identifying with the church through membership and getting involved. So what I want to do today is take us just one step beyond that then and talk about what is it, what's involved in doing ministry. How do we learn to do ministry? Uh, sometimes when we're uh, learning something new, that's the problem is figuring out how to do it. Um, my wife has been asked to do a particular task in terms of communicating with you through uh, the, the prayer chain. So when she first got it given to her, we're, we're pretty much um, computer ignorant. We don't know much. I, mean, I know how to text on my phone. I know how to check my email. That's pretty much it. And I can, and I can type. I can use the word processing thing and type out stuff. You know, but otherwise, I don't know much. So she looked at me and said, how do I do this? And I said, I don't know. Ask George. So she did. She asked George. And we kept, so she, she got rolling. She's, she's kind of getting the hang of it. But it was, it was a process of learning of trying it and learning and trying it and learning something new and learning what you did wrong and learning how to do it right. So that always happens with all of us when we take on something new. What's the process of learning? And that's what I want to talk with you about this morning, because maybe some of you have been looking at that list of ministries and saying, wow, I'd, I'd love to do that. Or you, maybe you said, I could do that. I think I could do that. What's the next step? Or you said, I never even thought of doing that. But it sounds like something that might really be worthwhile. Um, that area interests me, but I'm not really sure what's involved or where to start. So if any of those questions have been going on in your mind, I want to address those this morning by looking at how Jesus taught his disciples how to do ministry. Am I? Oh, I'm on there. Okay, good. Does this work? Hey, it works. See, <laughs> I'm, I'm really tech savvy. I can press that button with the best of them. Yeah. So we're going to learn from Jesus how to do ministry. Uh, as I was looking at it, it really begins in John chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in the Gospels. I'm going to be in John first. Then I'm going to go over to Luke. I'm going to end up in Mark and then finish off in Matthew. So I'm kind of working backwards through the Gospels if you look at it that way. Uh, this all starts for Jesus and the disciples in John chapter 2. A wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. 
Dear woman, why do you want me involved? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. So his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind that the Jews used for ceremonial washing, each one holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now take some out and draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet, the master of ceremonies, essentially. And they did. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been changed into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, most people bring out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. So they go and they watch him do this wonderful uh, act of ministry. So I just call this kind of the principle of Jesus did ministry and the disciples watched. I guess that's kind of the first step, isn't it? Any learning curve is watching somebody else do it. Watch how they do it. Now, that's not the whole process, but that's where it begins. So I want to suggest to you that if you're looking for an area of ministry, that you start out by, uh, by being aware, just being observant. Maybe like uh, when you come early on a Sunday morning, you just stand in the back somewhere and watch what everybody's doing. It's a fascinating thing because a lot of people have different areas of responsibilities on a Sunday morning. The first people you'll meet is the welcome team. They'll be greeting you. Ushers will give you bulletins and show you to your seat. Meanwhile, the control team back there, the salt and light team is working on all of their stuff. The worship team may even be finishing up their rehearsal. So you just kind of watch what people are doing. You'll see families come in. You'll see them ushered down with their kids down into the kids zone, maybe by Ange or Nick or somebody else in that ministry. So just watch what people are doing and, uh, and see if any of those things are of interest to you. You may even want to ask if one area is of interest to you. Go up to that person and say, could I shadow you for just a little while? Just to see what you do particularly. Now, I say before you ask that you should ask first, because if you try to shadow them without asking they call that stalking. We don't want to encourage that at all. So ask first, and they'll probably say yes, and maybe spend that morning or that day following them around, watching what they do and how they do ministry, because that's the first step to really see and learn. Now, after that event happened, here's what the passage finishes up with in verse 11. This was the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee, and he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. They watched, but their kind of watching was a very active watching. They wanted to know exactly what he was doing and, and watched him do this great miracle of turning water into wine. And it convinced them that this one that they were with that day, that they were following, was indeed the Son of God. They believed in him. They also understood, I think, that the ministry he was doing was significant. So what I put in your little worksheet there is this. The disciples became convinced about who Jesus was, about Jesus, and the value of ministry. They saw him doing this miracle. They understood the ministry aspect of his character. And they said, we want in on that. We're drawn in. And I think when you start watching people do ministry, at some point, one of those things you're watching, you'll see, the Lord will, uh, by his Holy Spirit, kind of touch your mind or your heart somewhere deep in your soul and say, 
I want you to be drawn to that area. And you'll, how do I say it? You'll, you'll buy into that. That'll become important to you. And you'll want to know more. You'll say to yourself, that's really what I want to do. Now, I want to learn how to do it, whatever it takes. So that's, that's where the disciples were. So Jesus worked. They watched. And as they watched him, they became convinced that they wanted to spend the rest of their lives living with and serving him, whatever that area of ministry was. So as you're watching people do things, whether it's a welcome team, kids ministry, outreach, and one of those things, will you'll just feel drawn to it. The Spirit will work in your heart and say, that's what I want you to consider. Think about that. Disciples became convinced about Jesus and the value of his ministry. Now, let me take you to Luke 5 for just a minute. Because here's some other things develop. They're continuing their relationship with him. They're continuing to walk with him. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here is another little aspect of what he's doing. He's now doing ministry, but he's calling them to help. Before they were active watchers, but now they're getting involved. It's just a simple task at first. He meets them where they are. That's one of the things I, I love about Jesus. He meets us where we are. He sees them working with their boats and uh, doing their fishing. And he comes to them there and says, right here, you can help me. I'm going to meet you right where you are, right where you live, and you can help me. There's a lot of people I want to talk to. And they're going to be able to hear me if you let me get in your boat and just push me out a little bit from the shore, and then I'll be able to speak with them. So could you help in that way? And, of course, they're glad to help him out because they've been called to help in an area where they know they can do it. I love the way Jesus uh, comes to his men and how he gathers them to himself. Um, those first few disciples, when he calls them in, we know about uh, Andrew and Peter. That was, they were following uh, John the Baptist when Jesus met them. And Jesus kind of drops in on one of their morning men's Bible study uh, that, that John the Baptist was leading. And he says, hey, you two, come and follow me. Learn about me. And they start to follow him. And they learn more. And then Philip joins on. And then Andrew, I'm sorry, Philip and then Nathaniel comes along. James and John, who were partners of Andrew and Peter, they join in too because Jesus met them down by the water's edge where they were fishing and working on their nets. Jesus meets us where we are, and then he draws us into some other things. So right there, Jesus wants to do ministry. He wants to preach, and he calls them to help him. And that's a good place to be. At some point, if this process works here at Crossroads, what will happen is you'll be watching, you'll show an interest in an area of ministry. You'll begin watching that other person do ministry. God will pro 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 prompt you in your heart that that's something that you should be doing, could do, and want to do. And now you go, how do I get involved? Well, there's two ways it can happen. One is you can approach the other person and say, next week, could I help you with that? Could I help? Could you work me in somehow to help? And hopefully that person will say yes. The other way it could happen is if that other person, seeing your interests, says, hey, how would you like to help me next week? 
So th- either way, don't don't let one work uh, uh, one option outweigh the other. If you really want to help, offer to help. Tell them I want to help out. Show me where I can help. Give me some little thing to do. If they're on the ball, though, they'll ask you, how can I help? And that would even be better. So you people who are involved in ministry, be aware of other people who are watching and that need to get drawn in, and you go out and ask them, how would you like to be involved? This is not your area of ministry. This isn't your private domain. Your responsibility as a believer here and a minister, a servant, is to draw others in as well. So see those people that are interested, and when appropriate, invite them to join you. So then they can help and do something that at least initially they feel competent to do. In this incident, as Luke 5 unfolds, Jesus goes out with the disciples after he has preached. And he says, put into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon Peter said, Master, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they were full and even began to sink. And when Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the great catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. But then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything to follow him. At some point, as you get involved, um, you need to get a vision for what this area of ministry could be. If you're the, the leader in that ministry, if you're the one who's already doing the ministry and you're helping this other person get involved, uh, set a vision before them of what this ministry could be if they get involved. If you are the one who's getting involved, who's the learner, catch a vision of what this ministry will accomplish. Understand that this little thing you did, although it seemed very doable for you today, as you learn and grow in this area of ministry, there's no telling what the Lord might do through you. Let's try to maybe put some flesh on this with a couple of illustrations. Let's say you'd say you want to be involved in the welcome team and you want to be a, a greeter uh, or an usher. Well, there are people that you should be speaking with. You should be speaking with uh, uh, Judy or, or Dennis or one of the people that oversees that area of ministry. But then once you've had instruction, then you'll be asked to help. You'll be put on a week and asked to take care of those responsibilities with another team of people who are doing it. And at first you'll say, well, okay, I can do that. I can shake hands with people that are coming in the door. I can hold the offering plate and walk up the aisle. Those are all things I can do. Nothing earth-shattering there. But then the person who's leading you needs to set before you a vision. Understand what this involves. That person that you greet at the door, if you're a greeter, they may have come in weary with all the struggles and problems of life. And they come in off the parking lot, and you're the first person they'll meet at the door. 
and uh, they'll shake your hand. And if you're just as glum as they are, you're shaking them, their hand, you're doing the right stuff, but you're not really displaying the love and joy of Christ. But if you're there and displaying the love and joy of Christ as you shake their hand, you may change their whole day. That may set the tone for how they participate with us in worship and how they listen to the word and the challenge of it. That may even impact their whole life from there on because you met them in the joy of Christ at the front door. So at some point, whatever it is that you're doing, catch a vision of what it could be, what it could involve, what it could accomplish. Those of you who uh, clean out the cracks in the parking lot, clean, clear out all the dead grass and brush it away so that when the people come into the parking lot, it all looks clean and good. Uh, you, you're setting the tone for how we do ministry here. And, and that humble act may have an impact and effects that rumble down throughout the rest of history until Jesus comes back. Whatever your area of ministry, catch a vision of what it could be. He said, guys, you've been spending your life catching fish, and you're really good at it. And I just showed you that I can catch fish too, because your nets are full. But think about what it could be if you would follow me and catch men for eternity for the glory of my Father. So he set before them a vision of what life could be if they followed him. They caught that vision, understood it, and that empowered them to move further, move for, further ahead. That's what a difference their lives could make. Now, Jesus does something in Mark um, 6 that sort of surprised me. And I'm following, even though I'm moving from gospel to gospel, I'm following more or less the chronological order of how the gospels lay these things out. But in Luke chapter 6, it says, beginning at verse uh, 6 and 7, Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him, and then he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Then they went out, skipping over to verse 12, and preached that people should repent, and they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So here what happened is they moved from Jesus ministers and they helped to the disciples did the ministry, and Jesus kind of watched. Now, I was kind of surprised at that because that seemed like they're really jumping in with both feet. There, there should have been another step in there. See, if it were me, I would have put another step in between these where, where uh, they do the ministry and Jesus helps them. And he's there beside them. That's what I would have done. But instead, Jesus sends them out to do it. And then he says, come on, I can report to me on how you do. I'm not sure why Jesus did this. Uh, we may be able to ask him, but... I'm just thinking about what would be the benefit of that. Because there's times when I've gotten involved in something new, and sometimes there's just no substitute for jumping in with both, with both feet for just a little while just to see what's involved. I can see a couple things that would have benefited from the disciples. First of all, they had a good experience. They had a good opportunity. Much was accomplished, as we saw in, in Mark chapter 6. So they got a lot done. People were responding to their ministry. But I'm sure that they also discovered along the way what things they didn't know. There's one incident um, in one of the other Gospels where there's a person who has a demon, and the people have come to the disciples to have the disciples uh, deal with that demon and force the demon to leave. 
and the disciples are unable to do so. So Jesus comes along and they say, we begged your disciples to do this, but they could not. And Jesus is able to do it. I think there were probably experiences like that they had, and they began to realize what their limits were and what they couldn't do and what they didn't know by jumping in with both feet. Now they knew what things they still needed to learn when they came back to Jesus. Another thing I, I think it helps with is when you, when you get involved and you're thrust into that ministry, you begin to understand better the actual demands of that ministry. What's involved? What's the full thing involved? Before I was just helping in one little area or another where I was comfortable and competent, but now I want to see the full range. I want to understand all that's involved, all the demands of that area of ministry. I need to know that. And the other thing is, I think it gave them a greater appreciation to experience uh, the crushing needs of the people that were around them that Jesus had called them to go forth and bless. They have this better understanding now of the extent of the needs of people who are lost and hurting. And they have that now because they jumped in with both feet. Disciples gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So that reminds me that one of the other important things when you're doing ministry is take time to review and assess and refresh yourself. They needed to do that. There's no particular value in working yourself uh, into a tizzy. There's no value in being frazzled in ministry. Sometimes you just need to take time and step back and kind of review things with the Lord and with others. I think that's a valuable thing to do. When you get more involved in a ministry, step back every now and then. Spend some time in prayer talking with the Lord about what you've been learning and how you've been serving him. And then maybe talk to the other person that you're involved in ministry with and say, how do you think I'm doing? How am I learning? What things do I still need to know? Help, help me review my own life and performance. And then give me just a little bit of time to rest and refresh because I want to get back involved really fully again. So take time to do that. Now, as things moved on in that same flow of Mark, here's what happens right after that incident. They go out and they do ministry. They come back, report to Jesus, spend a little bit of time reviewing and refreshing with him. And then they're thrust back in to the area of ministry again. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they, I'm sorry, uh, when, they land, when Jesus landed and saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. And by this time, it was late. And he said, let's go to a remote place. It's, we're in a remote place, Lord, they said. And it's already very late, so send the people away so that they can get some, something to eat. And then Jesus says this to them, you give them something to eat. So here Jesus is going to take them into another uh, adventure because they realize, wow, even though they had been able to do ministry just a couple of days prior to this, now they're facing some new challenge. They look out and they see how many people there are. And they're going, man, I, where are we going to get food to feed these people? The report is there were 5,000 men 
and evidently women and children as well. So who knows how many people there were. That's a lot of people. And Jesus said, well, you give them something to eat. He sets up then that they will now do ministry and Jesus will help because now they are faced with the limitations of their own ministry ability. Now they know there's nothing they can do to feed all these people. So they look at him and go, uh, how are we going to feed him? He says, well, see what you've got. And they check around, and there is a little boy with a lunch. He says, well, we got a couple of loaves, got a few fishes. Well, what are these among so many? We're at the end of our resources. We don't have enough to do this, Lord. We're talking six, seven, eight, nine thousand. Who knows how many people that are there? How far will this go? Even the loaves are just maybe what we would call hoagie rolls or something. They're not even that big. They're not giant tunas or something. They're just fish that a boy was carrying for his lunch. This is our resources, or how are we going to do this? And Jesus begins to teach them now that he can help them because his resources are unlimited. And they begin to understand that their resources are really his. All this kind of brings us back to the passage that Pastor Mike was talking about in Matthew 28. We'll get to it in a second. But I just want to think this through, this whole area of how we do ministry. We do ministry even when we're doing it at its best, and even when we get really good at it and, and are experienced in it and find God is blessing and find God is using us. There's that matter of who's really doing it. We're there. We're being faithful. We're doing what Jesus told us to do. He told us, we say, Lord, there's people coming in the building. What should we do? And he says, you go greet them. Well, once they get into the room, they won't know what to do. You sit down with them and sit next to them and befriend them and share with them how we worship here. Well, Lord, what do I do next? Well, you invite them out to lunch or you follow up with a phone call. You do it, but I will be your resource for all of that. I like one writer. Some of you may know a Christian writer named Warren Wearsby. But he said this, and I love this. He defined ministry. He said ministry takes place when God's resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. That's what ministry is. So as we go through this whole four-step process, we come to the point where we realize that if we're going to do ministry, whatever area of ministry it is, we're going to do it because he supplied his resource. He gives his strength, his wisdom, his Holy Spirit to work in heart so that we can meet human needs through us, the loving channels, for the glory of God. That's what ministry is. And that whole process, we begin by watching somebody else do it until God draws us to one area where he wants us to get involved. Then we start learning from that person, starting with doing little things to help. And then at some point we get fully involved, but all along the way we realize that whatever we do in ministry comes from his resources. That passage that Pastor Mike ended with last week was Matthew 28, a familiar passage to many of us. Some call this the Great Commission. It's the, it's the, uh, the charge that he gives us to serve him and do ministry. When the eleven went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I just put those four concepts uh, in your notes there at the bottom. 
go make baptize people. Now, Pastor Mike, you remember, reminded us, rightly so, that the main verb there is to disciple. All of this is focused on equipping others who are following Jesus to follow him more closely as we follow him together. But then there's other things we do. We go, we baptize, we teach. That's all part of discipling. Here's what I want you to do. Think about that area that God is drawing you to. Get out that old. You, you still have the little booklet that you got a couple weeks ago and where you should be serving, the ministry descriptions about the things that are here. Well, take that out again. If, if you lost yours, we'll find you one. And, and think about those areas where you believe the Lord may be getting you involved. Maybe it's worship. If it is, pray about it and show up next Sunday at 3 o'clock, right? But here's what I want you to consider, because each area of ministry, whatever it is in that booklet, is tied somehow to that great commission, to that going and baptizing and teaching. Now, let's say the going part. Well, if you get involved with Pastor Nick in First Fridays in the, in the spring, then it's pretty obvious. Uh, you're going out. You're going out, and we're meeting new people in the Google Plaza there in Lansdale. So we're actually meeting people or some other outreach event. It's obvious what we're doing. This afternoon, if you're going to um, the uh, apple picking at Tabora, he's encouraged you to invite a neighbor, invite a friend. Well, you're doing outreach because you may be inviting somebody who hasn't really come to Christ yet, hasn't understood what it means to make a profession to him. So you're inviting that person to come so they meet other believers, you and, and the others. So you're doing outreach. But I guess you could even think of it, what about the welcome team? The welcome team maybe is an extension of that going part. You're not actually physically going, but you're going out to the front door, doing something that may be a little uncomfortable for you, to greet those people that are coming in. Maybe people are coming in for just the first or second time, and you're greeting them. So you're part of that go process. Then there's the baptizing process, which, which I guess is everything that gets us from when we meet the person to how we uh, try to influence them and share with them what God has done for us until they come to the point of a personal commitment of faith as well. Anything that happens in that process is part of that baptized part. Anything from the time we meet that person to the time that they come to faith in Christ is part of that. And, and here again, it may be how the, the ushers do things or, or the things that the, uh, the worship team does and the, the salt and light team. All the things that you do to uh, make God's word clear here in the services, so that they understand what it means to walk with Christ, to make a commitment to him. You're part of that baptized part. And then there's the teaching part. So we're looking at, uh, and to some extent, our midweek clubs, our children downstairs, they're, they're being kind of discipled in God's word while we're up here. The men's ministry, the women's ministry, the life groups, when they get going again, the LIFE groups, those are the things that are teaching others to walk with Christ and follow him and learn to love him too. So whatever that you pick in that book, try to figure out what area it is. Is it part of going? Is it part of uh, baptizing the evangelism part? Is it part of the discipling part of teaching? Because each thing is linked to something. The people that are uh, keeping the grounds uh, trimmed and taking care of uh, the building, that's all part of it. That's all part of the package. It's not like we do ministry up here on the stage and the rest of you do other stuff. You're doing ministry too. We're all servants, and everything that we do is related to the Great Commission so that for the glory of Christ, souls may be saved, people may be built up, disciples made, and the gospel continue to go out.
in John, there's this whole section of John. You get a chance to read it from verses from chapters 14 through 16 and then even into 17 that really set up what our relationship is with Jesus as he prepares to sacrifice himself on the cross and return to heaven. And in that passage, he mentions in John chapter 16 that there was one that will come called the Counselor. Um, We also refer to him as the Holy Spirit very often. And that Counselor will come now, and he'll be part of the team. In fact, he'll be the team leader. Here in the earthly sense, we have team leaders. Our pastors and staff are team leaders. Uh, Some of you in your ministry areas are team leaders. But ultimately, our counselor, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is the team leader, and he will guide us into ministry. So it's not like we have to make up the plan or manage it. He will help us with that. He will set the pace, the Holy Spirit, and in the process will convince the world that they need what we share. There we go. And then in this prayer he makes in chapter 17, Jesus prays this. Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. My prayer is not for them alone. That's not just for the 12 as they go out, but all those who will believe in me through their message, people like us, that they may be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. So the other thing he wants to do is create team unity. Not only has he given us somebody to lead the way and set the pace, but he's also set before us the challenge of team unity so that we may be all understanding what our role is in ministry, work together for the glory of God and for the saving of souls and the raising up and making of disciples. That's what he set before us. See, ministry is more than just doing my part to keep the church running. I guess it does that along the way, but that's not the primary purpose. It's discovering what my part is in fulfilling the Great Commission. It's discovering how I will live and serve in this place to please Jesus. Because that's what doing ministry is all about. Jesus teaches us what it's all about. So look at that. And maybe you've got some other idea for ministry that we haven't even thought of or or tried yet. And, and that's great. Get involved enough. Get involved in something that will give you a platform, a voice to share what your passion is. And then we'll consult our counselor, the Holy Spirit, and see how he will lead us. Because each of us learn to do ministry and learn to teach our ministry to others so that together we may be the church. Let me pray with you that that would be the path that we take in the days ahead as we're crossroads at Montgomery here in this place, that he will teach us how to do ministry and how to reach out from this place. Lord, we want to be your service. That's what we mean when we say we want to do ministry. We don't want to just do it because it's expected of us, but because it will please you and will advance your kingdom here that because we get involved in all the areas of ministry that are set before us, that you will be able to do your work through your spirit here in this place to accomplish your will, to bring people to yourself as we follow you as your disciples. Lord, we really want to see your resources poured out through us as loving channels. 
for the glory of our Savior who died for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.